When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Ashley Bastock, joined by Mary Kay Cabot from a very summery-looking location out in Phoenix, Arizona for the NFL owners meeting. As Dan said last week, he is off this week, so enjoy some Olsen Twins podcasts from us this week. We're very excited. Um, Mary Kay, let's start with today out in Phoenix. You heard from Kevin Stefanski. What's What was the big news? What did Kevin have to say since this is the first time really we've gotten to hear from him since the Combine? Well, we really grilled him a whole lot about Deshaun Watson, where Deshaun is at right now, where his mindset is right now, uh, just how he feels about the acquisitions, what he's up to, what he's doing. And, you know, there were some pretty interesting things there. Uh, He's hosting teammates in Houston. Uh, I think that will really be beneficial and help these guys out a lot. Uh, So that might happen as soon as next week. Some of them have been in and out already, uh, but that's something that will be happening. And then Kevin talked about he will have, you know, more authority at the line of scrimmage to kind of do his own thing a little bit this year now that he's got the lay of the land. He's very, very excited about the three pass catchers that they have added to this team in Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, and Jordan Aiken. So really, I consider that to be kind of almost an overhaul of the pass catching core. Not only did they add some smaller agile, shiftier guys, but then you get another big body in Jordan Aiken. So this whole offseason has basically been about, you know, sort of the making of a champion in Deshaun. Yeah, and it was interesting, and we'll get to what Andrew Berry told you yesterday um, in a little bit, but it just seems like the optimism around this offense is even higher with these new free agency additions than, you know, it already was. Cause they were, you know, kind of talking up how much better they thought Deshaun would be when we talked to Andrew and Kevin at the combine. Uh, but I am really struck by what these two think of these new pass catching additions. And I guess like we've talked about it, but what do you think was key for them in finding these new pieces to get around Deshaun? Like what was the perfect storm? What were they looking for? What are some commonalities with these guys? Well, in the first two guys, the receivers in Elijah Moore, the trade with the Jets, and then Marquise, who was signed as a free agent, speed was the name of the game. They added much needed speed to this offense. It's an element that Deshaun needs. I mean, he's got incredible arm talent. He's got dual threat ability and he needs people that can match up to what he can do. And now he's got the speed to go along with uh, those excellent receivers and route runners in Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, big bodied guy in David Njoku. Now he's got those, you know, shifty agile guys too. And basically the thing to remember about, um, Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin. Marquise is the vertical stretch, the go route guy. Now, even though Kevin Stefanski emphasized today that Elijah Moore can be that downfield guy as well, uh, really, he's a little bit more of your Tyreek Hill kind of all over the field, uh, you know, get the ball in your hands and get some good run after catch, you know, make plays all over. 
Um, whereas he's not necessarily the full-time like go route guy. Uh, that's more going to be Mark Case. So they have a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think the, the thing to remember here is that they kind of have a surplus now in the pass catching realm. And there are going to be some guys that are going to have to really step it up to get some playing time. I mean, you look at, you know, the David Bells and, uh, you know, I, I, he's probably the one that comes to mind the most. But, you know, even some of the other younger guys, Michael Woods, what's going to happen with Anthony Schwartz. But, uh, you know, now they actually kind of have a surplus in the room. It is interesting to me that this distinction, and we heard it from both Kevin Stefanski this week and Andrew Barry, um, uh, between Marquise Goodwin and Elijah Moore and their skill sets. And I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but it's interesting to me that there's such this, them pointing out this difference that Marquise is the guy who they think can stretch the field. Like, I guess pointing out the difference between these types of speeds, because to me, it's like they really didn't have either of these kind of guys on the roster last year. So, I mean, just how different do we think that is going to make this offense? I think it will make it completely different. I really do. I think that, um, you know, that even Kevin Stefanski said today when we were asking him about Marquise Goodwin, he said, you know, the minute that Marquise Goodwin gets off the bus, the DBs know that they're going to be covering a lightning quick world-class track athlete, and they're going to have to bring their speed game. They're going to have to be able to keep up with that. Now, again, he was drafted in 2013, but back then he he ran a 4.27. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he can still fly. And even when you heard Pete Carroll last year talk about him, he talked about him in that regard that, that he can fly. So I think the addition of speed to this offense was much needed. And, uh, and I think it's really going to help them a whole, whole lot. And the other two things I know I wanted to get at with you that I know Kevin talked about. Um, number one, Josh Dobbs coming back to this quarterback room. And number two would be just overall the legal issues surrounding Deshaun Watson seem like they're just not going to have the same kind of impact that the Browns had to deal with last season. So let's start with Dobbs and, and what they kind of think about bringing him back into the fold and into this offense. You know, they really believe he can be the number two quarterback. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I wonder is, you know, is it a little bit risky to go into the season with the number two quarterback that doesn't have any experience? And, um, you know, I think it can be a little bit risky, but, you know, they they feel pretty good about it. They they think that they can uh, get the job done with him. And, and that, you know, that's the plan. They, you know, they really feel that that's what they want to do. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it will go exactly the way they want. What if Deshaun gets injured early on in the season? I mean, who knows, right? I mean, if, if he has to play 10 or 11 games, can he go out there and win those games for the Cleveland Browns in what's another big year with high expectations? So we'll have to yeah. see how that goes. But um, but I even asked um, Kevin today, do you know, do you feel comfortable going in without that veteran backup quarterback? And he said, yes. The other thing about Josh Dobbs is, is that he's great friends with Deshaun Watson. He's really, really good friends with him. They've been together since high school. And I do think that in the absence of uh, Jacoby Brissett, that Deshaun Watson does need that, you know, that support system in the quarterback room. And, you know, I, I think that's important. You know, it's, it's, perhaps an underrated thing with him because he, you know, because he has the off the field issues and you might not, you know, necessarily realize or think about it, but he does need support. He's going to need somebody to help him get through uh, the tough times that will inevitably come because, you know, this whole thing necessarily isn't over yet. 
and you know he's just going to have to continue to get through some of these issues. Yeah, and the Josh Dobbs thing is like interesting to me because I know, and you guys have talked about this on recent Hangem K pods, I think, but like, you know, we last season, a big topic of discussion that you brought up was you would have been for a package of plays for Josh Dobbs when Jacoby Brissett was starting. I think I said, you know, at a certain point, you might have to look start at starting Josh over Jacoby Brissett if you start the year, you know, two for four, three of four, uh, with three or four wins, like it, it might be kind of tough to not, you know, argue for doing that. But I think watching, you know, he left Cleveland, he goes to Tennessee, he gets those couple of starts, makes some mistakes in those starts, doesn't get any wins in those starts. It is just, I think, different compared to last year when he was here and you're looking at him really as like the third guy versus the guy if something happens to Deshaun Watson because Jacoby Brissett just had that gravitas and it, you know, he just has that experience where he'd gone out and he'd won. And Josh Dobbs hasn't, still hasn't thrown many passes in real NFL games in the grand scheme of his career. Right. He started two games, um, both of those for Tennessee last year. So it actually was a blessing in disguise for him that the Browns cut him when Deshaun came back because it gave him an opportunity to go out there and get live action in two football games, in two starts. I mean, where do you get that when you're uh, such a backup type quarterback and he was able to get that so I think that was really really helpful for him and it will serve the Browns well in the event that he needs to get out there and start some games in place of Deshaun Watson Um, he lost both games but he held his own pretty well and you know I think for the most part uh, it will go a long way towards making the Browns feel comfortable about throwing him in there if they have to So the other thing that, you know, it seemed like was a decent topic of discussion with Kevin today was that Deshaun's legal issues aren't going to be impacting the offseason or the season in the same way. I know you wrote that seemed to say that Deshaun is doing well off the field in the aftermath of the suspension. So what else did Kevin kind of have? What other insight did he provide in regards to that? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, we have the the Haslam's coming, coming up a little bit later today. And Kevin and, um, and Andrew Barry were not very forthcoming. I asked both of them, how is Deshaun doing off the field? How is he doing with this program? Uh, and, I, you know, they just don't get into it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to go there. They just veer right back over to he's doing fine. Everything goes back to, to football. So they just don't really want to talk about, you know, what he has to do to keep on track or anything like that. Um, So maybe we'll get a little bit more out of the Haslam's in regards to the program that he's been working and the things that he's been doing to stay, you know, just where he needs to be. But um, as of right now, these guys just say he's he's in a good frame of mind. He's a good teammate. He's a good leader. And and in inside the building, he's doing everything everyone can ask of him. That seems like it's, I'm not really surprised by that messaging from those guys because it seems like kind of consistent to me with what we've heard as this was all unfolding as well. And as they were kind of having to wait for the the terms of that suspension and what kind of plan they were going to have to put in place. So um, definitely we'll be interested to hear what the Haslam's have to say about that as well. Um, And the other kind of, you know, off the field issues related to a player that I know you heard about these last couple of days were regarding Elijah Moore from Andrew Barry. And it just seemed like to me, like the big takeaway was that they have no real qualms about his character, bringing him into the building. Of course, you know, he had his, the outburst on the sidelines uh, at Mike LaFleur, where there were some expletives, his offensive coordinator with the Jets 
um, thrown around. So I know that maybe was a question for some people, but it just seems like Andrew says they have a good relationship with that front office and it's not really a concern to them at this time. Right. And in addition to that, in addition to his relationship with Joe Douglas, who he worked with, with whom he worked in Philadelphia, uh, Kevin Stefanski knows Robert Sala very well. They've talked about Elijah Moore. I asked Kevin about that today and he, you know, got a good report from them. They all feel good about who he is. I actually talked to some Jets employees today and they gave me a good scouting report just completely for background off the record about Elijah said that he needed the change of scenery and, but he should do well in Cleveland. And so I thought that was good because that's, you know, that's when you kind of really get the truth when you talk to people like that. So um, he should be good in that regard. I think they know they're going to have to kind of, you know, keep an eye on things. You just have to make sure that he fits into the program really well, but for the most part, they feel really good about it. And, and also, um, you know, I wrote this the other day, that, you know, the way that that exchange with Mike LaFleur, the way that it was written about and characterized, I've been told that it was not quite exactly like that. So did he actually drop an F-bomb on him? We don't really know. And we may never know because I don't know that he will ever say, yes, I did or no, I didn't. But um, I've been told that that might be like a little over the top. Interesting, interesting stuff. I mean, and the other thing, I mean, we've we've kind of touched on it already, but I think with this receiver room now and with Elijah Moore coming into the fold here and presumably, you know, he's going to get a lot of snaps. Like I'm still just, I always kind of come back to what does this mean for a guy like David Bell, for Anthony Schwartz? And I know Andrew Barry kind of talked about that a little bit in comparing like the skill sets between these guys. They just, they just seem very intentional when they're talking about what certain players on this roster do well for them and that they want this kind of, I think healthy competition was the phrase used in the receiver room. Absolutely. They do want the healthy competition. So they're not too worried about the fact that, you know, David Bell seems like right now he's going to have to kind of fight for playing time a little bit, that Michael Woods is going to have to fight for playing time a little bit. The other thing to remember is, you know, when you look ahead down the road, one or two years, you see that, you know, are, are you going to keep paying Amari Cooper this much money two years down the road? Are you going to extend Donovan Peoples-Jones Are you or and pay him the big bucks that he might be able to get on the open market after next season? If you don't want to do that and somebody else wants to do that, now you've got guys in the pipeline that are coming up and that can, um, you know, that can replace him. So, you know, that's one of those things is that, you know, they've kind of got this feeder system that they have at almost all positions and they use their draft to keep guys in the pipeline and to keep stocking the team for two years down the road, three years down the road. And that's what part of this receiver uh, collection is about now. And one more thing I wanted to touch on you with Elijah Moore and what something Andrew Berry had to say before we kind of move on to another bigger AFC North league wide issue uh, with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and what's going on there. Um, I know you, I think asked Andrew about this, if, you know, Elijah Moore, it seemed like there was some interest in him last year at the deadline. Um, and, you know, you kind of had been reporting that it's an interest, obviously that stuck. So what did Andrew kind of have to say about that? Yeah, I have been reporting that Elijah Moore was the player they tried to trade for last year at the deadline, and he did admit that yesterday uh, when we got a chance to sit down with him. Uh, but I've kind of been, you know, writing that in all my stories leading up to the, the Elijah Moore acquisition. So they've had an eye on him since last year. They had already done their due diligence. This didn't just come together very quickly. It's something that they've been keeping an eye on for a long time. And if there's one thing that we've learned about Andrew Berry, when he gets his meat hooks into a player, like he doesn't let go, right? He likes to 
-hmm. get his hands on one of these guys that he really likes, whether it's that 2017 draft that we always talk about um, or somewhere else. Um, you know, whether he liked a guy in some other, you know, transaction period or cycle and did homework on him, he gets favorites. And Elijah Moore was a favorite for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the price was right. You know, he's like 1.4 million this year, 1.8 million next year. The speed is right. The potential production is, is right. Uh, the size, I mean, just everything. It just, it, it's an, it fills a real hole. And, and I think it's, it, it, as long as they can, get him to stay on track and hone that energy uh, and get all the good stuff out of him. I think it's going to be good. All right. Well, we are going to step aside and take a really quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk bigger picture in the AFC North. Like I teased Lamar Jackson, his trade request put out on Twitter today, what that kind of means for the AFC North and how Deshaun Watson's contract last year kind of set all this up. So we will be right back. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Ashley Basak here with Mary Kay Cabot. So Mary Kay, the other story you had up today um, from the NFL or owners meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, kind of taking a bigger picture look at how Deshaun Watson's historic, fully guaranteed contract last year when he was traded to the Browns kind of led to today a request that has kind of rocked the AFC coaches breakfast in Arizona with Lamar Jackson asking for a trade. So first, like, since you're there, can we just kind of like set the scene at what the buzz was like as this came down on Twitter? Cause I believe it was like, just as John Harbaugh was speaking to Baltimore beat writers. Yeah. And the, that's the way that I tried to write my story today. When I wrote all about this situation with Deshaun Watson's contract, ultimately leading to this trade request by Lamar Jackson, I, I really tried to give everybody a feel for what it was like in that room. So all the reporters are in the room. We're seated around the tables. Uh, you know, each team has, you know, a, in the AFC has their coach at a table. We're all sitting with the coach that, you know, we cover. And, um, and then all of a sudden this trade request pops up and, you know, John Harbaugh had to just off the cuff, start reacting to it, ask, asking questions, you know, being asked a million questions, a bunch of record reporters, flocked over to his table um you know so it was quite the scene and one that if he does get traded um i will mark this in time as something that i won't soon forget you know to be there in that moment when he requested this trade and how it could impact the whole entire afc north i mean if he's gone from the afc north it really opens and paves the way uh for for deshaun to seize the moment right i mean he's still got joe burrow and you can never count out the steelers but if, if the Ravens have to regroup at quarterback, that's not an easy thing to do at all. Um, so I do think that it could be one of those times where we look back on and we remember where we were and remember when it was. And then we re will remember the story of how it led to whatever could possibly be coming. But we asked Kevin Stefanski about it. We asked um, the Steelers writers, asked Mike Tomlin about it. Then I saw Zach Taylor sitting there, the Bengals coach, on my way out and the the breakfast was basically over uh but he was gracious enough to answer my question so you know i went up to him you know late when it was basically done and i asked him and i got an answer out of him so i tried to give people a feel for what it was like in that room it was surreal i mean it was really kind of bizarre and it was funny because here i am uh at still you know working in the uh outside of the media room and just like 20 minutes ago john harbaugh walked past me when i was <laughs> 
sitting there writing and he was on the phone trying to figure out where he's going and didn't know what, what he was doing. <laughs> and I was like, well, there's the man of the hour. Yeah. Hey, John, do you have time for one more question here from Mary Cabot, Cleveland.com? Uh, I know it was funny and we know each other. So, you know, but he, you know, of course, like, you know, the, the trick is to pretend like you're on the phone. So right. he was on the phone when, um, you know, when I saw him, but, um, but no, he's a great guy. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I can't imagine the Baltimore Ravens or the AFC North without Lamar Jackson. When I was writing the story today, I remembered back to that game in uh, 2020 yeah. where he came bounding out of the locker room, uh, you know, needing IVs for cramps, uh, being accused of having to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yes, that was a crazy night on Brown's Twitter from my experience yeah. of not having covered that game, but following it on Twitter. Yeah. Those were all the jokes being made. Yeah. And so he, you know, he comes bounding out and he comes out and, you know, he came out with that Superman cape on that he always seems to put on against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And he just was, went gangbusters and brought them back from behind. They were trailing by the time he got out of the locker room and, uh, and he just came back and he was like, no, no, I'm not having any of that. And he won that game. I think it was 45 to 42 and it was just a sign of the times what he's all about when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. He's six and three against the Browns. Uh, just so difficult to get past. And, you know, we'll see if that's going to continue. Yeah. So for those people who have not been on Twitter or haven't seen Lamar Jackson's statement that he posted on his account, it's in Mary Kay's story, but I'll read part of it uh, really quickly. He said, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization organization for which the Ravens have not been interested in meeting my value any and everyone that's met me or been around me knows that I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. Um, and this topic, I mean, it's something that we have been discussing as Browns writers because we kind of wondered if this was going to happen eventually. And it's this Deshaun Watson contract, just truly the fact that it was fully guaranteed and you look at, you know, we've talked about Lamar Jackson. He's a guy who's a former MVP. Deshaun Watson doesn't have that. It's like you could kind of tell, like, this was going to create some tension, even going back to last year, as soon as Deshaun signed this contract at the NFL owners meeting, in fact. Yeah, just one year, and I remember it vividly. Everybody was all abuzz about that fully guaranteed contract. Deshaun was the big hot topic. Uh, Stephen Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, who is not here um, at these meetings, talked about how that contract was going to create a problem uh, that proved to be true more so than probably he could have even imagined. And, you know, here they are trying to figure out where this whole thing is going to go. And I don't think anything less than 230 million guaranteed is going to get the job done uh, for Lamar Jackson. He wants to know that he is as highly valued to the Ravens as Deshaun Watson is to the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. John Harbaugh, if he leaves, John Harbaugh says he's got contingency plans. Of course, it takes two to tango. And so far, nobody has come through with the right kind of offer for him. Uh, so he will need that before he's willing to move. But nevertheless, it was the big story here all day. I'm curious. And I know, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast in recent days. And my answer, I feel like, still changes. But, I mean, do you think we're going to see Lamar Jackson in a Ravens uniform next year after a day like today? Or has it kind of, you know, changed your mind that he's he's probably not going to be back here? It's it's so hard to say. It, it, it really is hard to say. I mean, it really, it seems like 
um, that this is farewell and, and that this is goodbye. But you never really know. Sometimes things have to get bad, too, before they get better. You know, maybe it will inspire them to give him what he wants and make him feel valued. But then they would have to figure out, are there too many hard feelings? Is there too much water under the bridge? And, you know, are they going to be able to mend the fences and all those other cliches that uh, yeah. that you can talk about? So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Right now, it seems pretty dire. But, you know, things can also change on a dime. Yeah, I always come back to what the saying you like that, you know, never say never in the NFL, first of all, for me. And like you said, I mean, it's just hard for me to now think, well, oh, he's not coming back because that offer that he wants hasn't come out anywhere. So I'm like, I'm wondering if he ever is going to get that offer that he really wants. And if at the end of the day, Baltimore is just going to have the best offer and it might not be Deshaun Watson's kind of money, but it might be the best that's out there for him, what the market is dictating. And the other thing is, I mean, if he doesn't get it and they don't agree to terms, he is franchised for this year yeah. at $32.41 million. So then he has to decide, do I come in and do I play for that amount of money, which is significantly less than like Deshaun Watson's $46 million average. So he's not going to be happy if he has to do that. And maybe he'll hold out. I mean, we just don't know where this is all going yet, but certainly, you know, we can all agree that Deshaun Watson's controversial contract got them to this point. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. And this is definitely a storyline if you're Browns fans to keep paying attention to, because like Mary Kay said, I mean, it, we don't know what this Ravens offense is going to look like without Lamar Jackson. I don't think the Ravens can even begin to imagine that yet until this situation is settled. Well, all right, Mary Kay has to go enjoy the rest of today at the NFL owners meeting. She has to hear from the Haslam still plenty of work left for you to do. We're going to do another check-in with Mary Kay out in Arizona tomorrow before she heads back to Cleveland. Um, so until then, check out all of her coverage from the NFL owners meetings and all of our Browns coverage over at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, click the blue banner at the top of the page. Dan, I don't know how you say this every time. I feel like I'm fumbling over my words. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to become one of our insider subscribers. That's where you'll get text messages from us. Mary Kay's already sent some since she's been out in Arizona. So be sure to do all that. And Mary Kay, I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes, I will talk to you tomorrow. And as you can see, I'm enjoying the blue skies and the palm trees out here. Uh, Amazing. So it's it's gorgeous. Yes, uh, better than our gray set guys in Northeast Ohio that are currently outside of my window. So we're going to let Mary Kay go and we will see you guys all tomorrow with another episode.